How to Be a Rebel Leader is a show about individuals who raise organizations to new levels by challenging the status quo, pushing for change, and fighting for their beliefs. Hear stories of their journeys to success and the passion it took to get there. This is How to Be a Rebel Leader. I'm Marcelo Lobo. On today's show, the story of Rafael Araujo. After getting his MBA, Rafael went to work for a P firm in Brazil, then quit to work at a restaurant chain and realized his passion for operations and entrepreneurship. After a meetup at his university, he learned about the search fund model and decided to go for it. Rafael raised the money after speaking with more than 200 investors and is now searching for the right company to buy. His story is quite interesting. Let's check it out. So great. Thank you so much for joining me today. Uh, and I'd love to hear a little bit about your life and why search funds? Why are you here in Brazil now? Sure. Marcelo. Yeah. Thanks a lot. Thanks for having me. Yeah. I mean, um, all, all of my career I've worked on finance and corporate finance and, um, going back six years ago, um, I was working at a big four company consulting company serving private equities. So uh, I was working in the M&A Transaction Services Group, basically doing due diligence for private equities here and Brazil. And uh, after a while, I worked three years for that company, I realized that I really wanted to work with investment. So um, I quit my job and uh, I decided to win an MBA to help me with this career shift. So I went to the University of Oxford at the Seed Business School for an MBA program, a one-year MBA program. And um, I was uh, lucky enough to land a private equity job offer as soon as I returned to Brazil. So over, over the last um, five years or so, uh, I was working with private equity. I worked at two funds. The first one is a British private equity fund and um, the other one a local private equity. Mm-hmm. After a while, I just realized that even I liked a lot the investment side, I really wanted to be an entrepreneur. And early last year, I learned about the search fund model, which was, for me, everything just clicked, you know, it made a lot of sense. It was, um, you know, just a combination of entrepreneurship and private equity. and. Uh, as soon as I heard it, I, I was sure it was perfect for me. Did you, you know? grow up around entrepreneurship? Um, not really. Um, I have a few entrepreneurs in my family, but um, on small businesses. I have two uncles who are restaurateurs mm-hmm. uh, in the restaurant business. And my mom, she also works with handicrafts, but you know, mm-hmm. small businesses. And I invested a couple of years back with my own money in a small restaurant chain. And I started becoming a little bit more involved with the entrepreneurial side. And I discovered this entrepreneurial side of me um, while, I, while I was at private equity. So I was uh-huh. investing my own money, but almost as a financial investor. And, mm-hmm. you know, my partner... He, um, he invited me, he was like, you know, Rafael, why don't you, you know, come, come over and help me run the business. Mm-hmm. And um, at that point, I talked to my bosses at the private equity firm that I was working at and told them a little bit about the story and the challenges. And they were pretty open. 
uh, and said, you know, Rafael, at the end of the day, you're going to end up doing the same thing that we do here, which is invest and run the company. And, uh, and it's amazing that you have this opportunity to do on your own. So, I mean, feel free to, to go there. Uh, uh, it's going to be a loss for us because we like your job here. But uh, for some reason, if for some reason um, you don't enjoy this experience, we, we have, we'll always have our doors open here for you. So what was the company that you were going to invest in, Ryan? Uh, the company that I was working at or the one that I invested? The one that you said that you were going to uh, quit was, your pre-job and then... Yeah, I was working at Patria Investimentos right. and I left um, to work at my, my invested company. It was uh, Desfrutti. It's a healthy food. Oh, yeah. Um, small, healthy I'm food. I'm sure I had lunch at Desfrutti before. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, at that point, you know, Marcel, it was, it was a pretty... Uh, 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 no-brainer for me because mm-hmm. um, you know almost no downsides there you know mm-hmm. I mean uh, so I took the decision to leave there and I spent a few months working at this uh, uh, this this investment that I had and uh, I really realized you know what I want to do this in a larger scale and um, few months later I just learned about the search fund model and it was perfect for me. How did you find out about it? I am a mentor for startups at Inspur, which is a business school here in Brazil, and um, they keep inviting, you know, alumni, mm-hmm. mentors um, for these events. And one of the searchers, one of the first searchers in Brazil, he was um, doing a seminar on search funds at Inspur, you know, talking about mm-hmm. his experience there. And that's that's how I learned about the search fund model. That's so great. And uh, so after you learned about the model, you were still working at Desfrucci. So what made you take the leap and start your own fund? Uh, the way um, that, I, that I handle was, you know what, I was like thinking to myself, let me talk to, you know, a few searchers, local searchers and foreign searchers and to a couple of other investors to tell them a little bit of my story uh, and to get a, a feeling, you know, if, if, if that was the ideal, you know, uh, uh, move for me. And uh, I had, you know, great feedbacks. Um, from my investors, um, I, I think that most because of my private equity and investment mm-hmm. experience, coupled with my you know limited but you know um, operational experience, which is sort of those are the two main skills that mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. that you use at the search fund. Yeah, sounds pretty cool. Um, so I know a lot of my friends from school that I would kill for a job at Patria. Uh, but then you had it and then you quit to do this. So what were you thinking uh, when you decided to leave literally a lot of people's dream job to take something a lot riskier? What? Why was this right for you? I think for me, um, um, it's, it's different. I mean, obviously at Patria, it's... A, it's a billion dollar fund, right? Uh, like big money. And I think the main difference is running your own 
business, right? I mean, being being accountable for all the decisions that you take and having all the flexibility mm-hmm. uh, for me is uh, even though the search fund model can can be very attractive financially, economically, I think at least for me there's there's much more, you know, in in the game, and I think. Uh, having the opportunity to work, you know, throughout the entire investment cycle, you mm-hmm. know, I think this is invaluable. Like from the search and then executing a deal, mm-hmm. and then running a business, and then divesting a few years later. Uh, you know, after a while, you you really become you know a very well-rounded professional. You know, so I think I think for me, it's more about the experience, and having you know flexibility is important for me. At the end of the day, you know, I think I work if not the same, uh, you know, in terms of workload, mm-hmm. uh, maybe even more than I work at Patria, but I enjoy more just because you know I have all the flexibility. If, Mm-hmm. The day I want to leave the office a little bit sooner, I do, um, yeah. but I work on weekends. So, I mean, that there's a trade-off. Yeah. I think the most important thing is, I mean, I'm, 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 I enjoy a lot what I do, and yeah. I really don't feel that I'm working. That's awesome. Uh, tell me a little bit more about fundraising. Once you're like, no. oh, I'm going to do this. Uh, what were a couple of steps that you did uh, since you were already here in Brazil? Did you travel to to the U.S. to get money? How can you tell me a little bit more about fundraising? Yeah, I did. Um, my fund now is ninety five percent American, right? So yeah, mm-hmm. I did. I, I went to the U.S. a couple of times. Um, the first step, the first thing that I did was basically, you know, trying to map all possible investors. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is in search fund the community is not so big um, mm-hmm. and also you know the searchfunder.com helped me a lot helping mapping those investors and also the fact that most searchers they open their investors in their own website so mm-hmm. you know this is what was one of the things that I did so I, I entered a lot of websites of searchers <laughs> tried to you know cross all the investors individual um, and after doing that, I um, I did a little bit of homework and understand the focus, um, the style of each one. Each one has a little bit different style of investment. Some of them are more focused on healthcare. Others in you know in the U.S. Others you know there's a different mix. And one of the things that I try to put to put and to build as uh, my investment group was as diverse as possible what do you mean by diverse um in terms of local and international mm-hmm. when i say i have 95 percent american i have a few brazilians that invested invested via my llc in the u.s so i would say the ratio the more correct ratio would be a 70 30 percent got it um but yeah i did all this mapping and study and approached a lot of them uh also uh heard a lot of no's Mm -hmm. (laughs) as well so can you do you have an idea of how many no's you had before your first yes or the conversion rate there um i talked to probably close to somewhere in between 250 300 investors wow and uh, that's a lot. yeah, that's a lot. 
and most of them Brazilians. Okay. And uh, the search fund model is just to it's embryonary mm. here, right? So right. Yeah. the uh, the average investor in Brazil is not used to the model. Most of them uh, received me for a coffee and mm-hmm. talked about and we had very good conversations. But they were more in in the approach of, okay, so I'm not really willing to pay for you to find something for me. But mm-hmm. if you find something interesting, just bring me and I'll think about it, right? It. Most of them, they were more on this side. And I think in the U.S., the search fund is a more much more proven model. Mm-hmm. There were a lot of cases of success, yeah. you know, and, and people that really believe in a model. Mm-hmm. And in the fact of, you know, paying a searcher to do the job. And uh, I think in this Brazil, it's, it's just so new. I think probably we'll, we will have to wait this first, let's put it this way, the first batch of searchers right. to be successful, you know, for us to see a, a, a development there. Yeah, then maybe we'll see everyone saying, oh, I want, I want a slice of that pie. Yeah, yeah, for <laughs> sure, for sure. And after, what do you think was the hardest part about raising a fund besides all the no's from Brazilians who didn't know the model? Um, I think, um, it's, it's, I didn't think it was, it was that hard, you know, I think maybe for the acquisition capital i think this for this phase is going to be much mm. more challenging but okay. but but then when when you get there is much much more a matter of how good is the deal you're bringing in if you find a super interesting deal it's going to be quite easy right okay if not probably very difficult um because at the end of the day we're talking about it will range from 400k to maybe half a million dollars for research if we're talking about an investor base of 15 to 20 investors not a lot of money right mm-hmm. so i think it's much more a matter of you convincing them that you are a right guy to do a search from them and and i think for me i didn't i didn't feel much difficulty there because i really believed in that and and I really think that the search fund model is just perfect for me. Mm-hmm. And I think my my fundraising was successful because I think I was uh, uh, um, able to convey the message for them, right? That, you know, I really want to do this. Right. And, um, you know, I have the PE experience and the operational experience. And this is what I want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm quitting a private equity job to do this. So I think I think with all those arguments it's helped helped me a lot. I think it took me it took me around four months mm-hmm. to complete the fundraising, which is pretty much the average. The other folks here in Brazil it took mm-hmm. about the same, mm-hmm. some a little bit less or, mm-hmm. or a little bit more than that. Awesome. Um, so you've dealt with brokers here in Brazil for a while, perhaps, and yeah. now you've started your search. Can you tell me a little bit? It's been six five yeah yeah it hasn't been that much but i'm wondering what have you learned so far or what have you learned from the know-how of the very small search fund community here that we have in brazil yeah for sure i mean um i believe a lot in the value of doing proprietary deals right Mm -hmm. and most
most of my search is, is now focused on the proprietary deals. But on the other hand, um, you know, I have contact with a lot of brokers because of my private equity days. So what I did was the first couple of months, I focused on reaching out to all these M&A brokers, you know, mm-hmm. to tell about a little bit a little bit about the sectors that I am looking at and the profile of assets that I'm willing to invest to. And uh, I think this is important because the brokers, they keep the deal flow and pipeline coming, right? So even though I'm now more focused on proprietary deals, uh, I have two interns in my team and one of them is basically half of his time focused on managing relationship with brokers. We have Mm -hmm. sort of a spreadsheet that every once in a while pops up, you know, a a red cell that he needs to call a specific broker. So, you know, this, Mm -hmm. so every day we have new teasers of new deals Mm -hmm. coming in. Mm -hmm. And the other one is more focused on proprietary deals. And uh, this is the way basically I design and it's working pretty well. Um, So, so yeah, so going back to a question, the first couple of months, I dedicated a lot of time to reaching out to 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 all those brokers, and I, I wasn't I didn't want to be limited to a single cold email. Say, okay. hey, this is Angular Capital. This is what I'm looking at. If you find something, please feel free to to reach out. I um, dedicated time. I called and met those guys because I just think that you know. Uh, I really wanted to be on their radar. I want them to remember me if they find something. So now it's much more a matter of, you know, doing proprietary deals and looking for interesting niches. Uh, and, you know, with the spare time, just looking at the new teasers, new teasers that are coming in and, mm-hmm. and doing the search. Uh, so question about proprietary deals. Um, I've heard that the other searchers that recently acquired companies had a bit of experience with proprietary deals. And you have a lot of experience with proprietary deals coming from PE and already having your system. What do you think is something that is working for you? You know, I think I think the hard thing, there's on both sides, you know, when we talk about proprietary and, you know, from, from brokers, there are pros and cons. Obviously, uh, when we're talking about proprietary deals, the, the main pro on my side is just you have more leverage negotiating better valuations and you know mm-hmm. uh, commercial terms on that just because we're talking about small businesses and the guys they're not really advised by anyone the main con is just the fact that these guys most of them we're talking about companies with two to three four million EBITDA mm-hmm. companies so small companies small to medium companies so they're not not really structured. I think this is one of the main differences when you compare an emerging market to a developed market. I think the average level of sophistication that we have in an emerging market like Brazil, it's it's much lesser than you have in, in a developed market. You know, um, it's been quite a few times that. I was in a situation uh, in which I was talking to a business owner and this guy, he never heard about EBITDA, for example. 
So you need to explain that it's a proxy for operational cash flow. So so this this example is just to, to, to give you a reference of how sophisticated right. those guys are. They're not really that sophisticated, right? So it consumes a lot of time for you prepared managerial reports because just they're not really structured to do so, exactly. right? And when we are talking about you know M&A brokers just a little bit different companies of different of the same size you know mm -hmm. they're much more structured just because there's a financial advisor there mm -hmm. who put the trial balances organized all the financials everything right uh, most of the times the EBITDA has a preliminary adjustment which which helps which mm -hmm. helps a lot yeah in the, the the early days of due diligence so, so yeah, I, I don't think it's it's easier for me. I, I just think that, you know, I've been to a lot of situations, so I'm already used to it. Mm. So, um, yeah. Got it. Cool. Yeah. Um, how are you leveraging your network to build relationships with those business owners? So yeah. You, so you can, like, start. Yeah, for sure. I'm doing it, uh, you know, as, as, as much as I can, you know. Um, I did... Quite a few times going through all the, my entire LinkedIn network, emails and contacts mm. on my PE days. Uh, every once in a while, I go back to my former bosses at you know the the prior P firms that I worked to to just um, exchange experience and get their inputs on the deals mm -hmm. that I'm looking at. So I have I'm lucky enough enough to have sort of uh, informal advisory board okay. which is super super nice and i'm lucky to have you know very smart guys that can help me with this input so and also with contacts of their own right mm -hmm. i'm when i'm I, I tell them that i i'm looking for opportunities in a specific niche is sometimes they say hey i have you know a friend mm -hmm. or a friend of a friend that works there i can put you guys in touch so I think you know um, I try to, to use my network as as cool. as much as I can. And what do you think of the deal flow deal flow quality in Brazil and how you found ways to save time, either filtering the ones that aren't good enough or already like are you like are you so like experienced in the current in the Brazilian market that you see like a bad deal from far away, like. How would someone, for example, me, like I never worked doing deals here in Brazil, and like that's the thing that scares me the most. Like mm -hmm. I, maybe I wouldn't have the know-how that you do, like sniffing deals that are like, oh, just because he's like he doesn't know what an EB dot means, it's actually like a terrible deal. But actually, oh no, it's the perfect deal. I found like a diamond in the rough. Yeah. I think you know. I mean, there's uh, uh, every single day I learn. A different thing right and and one of the things that I always try to be focused on is really being laser focused it's hard to say no or to decline a deal that is growing double digit as say 25% EBITDA margin with mm -hmm. recurring revenues mm -hmm. but it's locating it's located in a place that you're not willing to live in right mm -hmm. so you really have to keep asking yourself and this is one of the things I do several times a day every single day is can I see myself and can I visualize myself running this business mm -hmm. you know a few months right. from now does it make really make sense 
And um, I think this helps a lot. You you know move forward. You know it's mm -hmm. it's, it's hard. It's hard yeah. to say you know to, yeah. to, to decline deals with that profile. This is what you want to look That's at true. in a deal. Yeah, that's interesting because it's like it's not like private equity where you're gonna buy something, some someone else is gonna run it. Yeah, like you're the person that has to go in. Yeah, exactly. On uh, that note, um, are there specific industries that you're looking at right now in the beginning of your search, or are you like looking at like you mentioned niches? Like, do you have several niches or just a few in different industries? Yeah, look, it's um, it's my my mandate. My my scope's pretty broad. You know, I even have. I even have investors that are open and for doing greenfield projects, mm. which is which is pretty interesting. Um, um, one of them actually said, "You know, Rafael, you're not looking to acquire a company; you're looking for an investment opportunity, right?" Why is that so, the case? So, so I think it's it's much broader than just looking for a company. You're gonna, he said to me, "You're looking for investment opportunity, right?" Uh, it's a market that is growing, it's fragmented, you have higher bar bars to entry. Mm -hmm. uh, and then if you find that that specific, you know, opportunity, you have to ask yourself, uh, should I buy or should I build, mm -hmm. you know? And then from there on, obviously I think, you know, there, uh, I mean, acquiring a company is, it's, it's a better way if you have the right asset, you know, to 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 invest. You have already a platform, you know, generating cash. It's mm -hmm. it's just more much more easier. But imagine a situation if you you find a very interesting niche and then you find three interesting players that have the size that you're looking to invest. But one of them is not just not willing to you know sell. Right. The other one is just too risky. And the third one, I don't know, maybe you're not willing to invest in that third one, right? But you really enjoy that industry. Maybe you should, you know, ask yourself, man, can I, am I able to do this on my own? Mm -hmm. You know, with the right team, am I able to do this? I think this is, this is one of the things I keep asking myself, you know, oh, cool. just not to leave one great opportunity, right. you know, just... Uh, on this, so it's pre it's pretty open in terms of sector. You know, at Patria, I worked a, quite a few, a couple of years, uh, focused on healthcare. So healthcare is just a sector that I, I really like, mm -hmm. and has lots of lots of potential, and it's just easier to find growth, right? It's not, it's a sector that it's non-cyclical. So regardless mm -hmm. of the performance of the GP that the country has, which is the case in Brazil, we're just going out of a recession around now, right? So it's easier to find to find growth there. So, but on the other hand, it's just depending on the segment that you're looking at is just you know highly, highly, highly regulated mm -hmm. and heavily dependent on physicians. So, is there the place that you want to be? You know, th so there's a lot of questions that you need to keep asking yourself, and this is one of the things that we do. So we do like healthcare. We're we're looking to a lot of. A lover of interesting companies in the healthcare space, um, and uh, I would say also business services in general, mm -hmm. right? Um, if we find you know an interesting a company that is growing double digit, great cash generation, EBITDA margins, recurring revenues, asset light, you know, uh, this is the sort of the asset that you want to be there. You know, it's awesome. 
So to end our interview today, I would love to ask you if you had any advice to two different kinds of people. One, someone that is interested but doesn't hasn't taken the leap yet to do a search fund. And the other person would be you, like someone that just started a search fund now. What would you say to, to yourself? I think uh, um, on the early days is uh, talk to as much people as you can, you know, um, local searchers, searchers from abroad, investors, mm -hmm. talk to them, understand a little bit better, you know, uh, hear lots of opinions so that you can have your own. Mm -hmm. I think that this is for sure something if I would start over, I would do it again. I think also in terms for someone starting now, I'm, I'm just starting now, right? Um, you know, go through all my contact lists, you know, make sure you can you extract the most most of it in terms of value, former bosses, and it doesn't need to be in private equity, right? Someone working for a specific industry, someone say um, that you know that works in this particular service company, ask right. more about their, that segment in terms of growth. You start understanding more, a little bit more of each segment or each niche. Awesome, thank you.